I really like this keeping a list. Nice. Uh, the the scores so, for all the week. I'm, I'm so glad that you do. I think it would be so much fun if you, and you maybe have already been doing this. We should do it on the website. We should just post your wow. scores of books each week or on Facebook or something. You don't even need to do a write-up or anything, but if you're doing that, it would just be awesome. People could go in and click on Roman's scores. I thought that would be kind of fun. Plus it's helping me because I didn't, I read a lot more comics than I thought I did on average. I know I mean, I would, um, you read a lot of comics. We've only done four weeks so far, but I'm averaging like about 24 comics a week. Welcome in to a perfectly acceptable podcast, 232. I don't even know if there was an intro to it. We're recording this late um, because we wanted to get at least something out into the podcast sphere for this week because uh, last week we took a skip week because for the last three weeks, our comics have either been delayed or totally um, drowned in the avalanche that is installing and learning a new point of sale and inventory system and management system at our computer store shop house comp usa um uh so we're gonna do a short one today because it's been just an insane three weeks but we do love talking to everybody it's the problem is just having time to do it there hasn't been a free evening there's been like two free evenings in the last three weeks roman good lord <laughs> it's been so busy it has and in the in the week we skipped i was i was gonna do like a write-up some of my favorite comics that week and you know it was a good idea but i i didn't even have time to do that we've been gearing up to get ready to reopen our store so there's been a ton of picked up shifts and just time spent moving boxes around um anyone who knows our store and is listening from that perspective just huge shout outs to everyone that works there justin's doing amazing stuff colette has been there all the damn time it's amazing roman just shows up on days because our books are late so he's like yeah i'll be there the next day it doesn't matter so uh huge thank you to everyone there we're recording this podcast in the daylight this isn't a normal this is usually an after dark podcast although Django's not here so burping and farting will be minimized <laughs> the whiskey consumption will be down and like i said it's going to be a little bit brief but this is episode 232 and i've got a well well welmer here happy episode 232 from the elmer welmer while 232 has not been assigned as an area code in the U.S., you can get use, you can get use it to, okay, that's, you know, typing, anyway, uh, to get a direct line to the Modesto Lazarus Pits in Northeast Africa. You can use it to get a direct line to the Modesto Lazarus Pits in Northeast Africa. Oh. I got blood drawn for the very first time in my entire life today. I watched them take what? three whole the vials out of my ever? body. Never have I done it before. Wow. And then I went to work and I had not eaten anything all day. Um, so I just, uh, it's been a, I had a sandwich uh, eventually, but 232 fun fact, Ra's al Ghul created by the late great Denny O'Neill debuted in Batman 232. Can oh. everyone provide their proper enunciation for Ra's al Ghul? And don't let the fact that Jeff just pronounced it that way influence <laughs> you Roman, but that's my, that's how I think it's, it's my, that's what I do. You know, that's how I used to say it, because that's what it looks like. But I think because of the cartoon, I started pronouncing it the way they do, which I think is Ra's al Ghul. There's Ra's al Ghul? I thought that yeah. I said Ra's al Ghul because yeah. of the cartoon show. Oh. But I could be doing it wrong. Maybe I got it but from the mo movie then with maybe Liam Neeson. The, <laughs> yeah, Ra's al Ghul? Okay, okay. But you've, yeah. you've transitioned to Ra's al Ghul. I think so, but I know when I read it on the page, I I think I you still default to Roz. Okay, it's like the Shang Chi Shang Chi. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I like I like it. So that's our our guess. Um, Will says, "P.S. Despite New York having the highest concentration of superheroes in the world, it also seems to have the highest concentration of supervillain attacks." With this knowledge, would you actively choose to live in New York? Or would you move as far away as possible? <laughs> I wouldn't live in New York, although I'd like to have a summer home there. Hmm. Yeah, I, 
I wouldn't live in New York unless I was a superhero who was starting my career. Okay, you got to get the name out there. Race all superhero. So you got to you know got your superhero name out there. So you go and you save all these these crimes. I think on that point, that's a great segue into the first book that we're going to talk about this week. I'm going to give everyone the rundown. We're going to talk about the Nice House on the Lake number two. We're talking about X Men number one, Immortal Hulk forty eight. Skybound X number one, Blacksmith number one, and Mamo number one. Um, And Roman, that was such a great segue because as I was reading Nice House on the Lake number two by James Tinney and the fourth and Alvaro Martinez Bueno and Jordi Belair, I couldn't help but think, you know, I'm on record as not loving Jimmy TIV's superhero work, but I do like his creator own stuff quite a bit more than that. But as I was reading this issue, I just couldn't help but think about how masterfully his career has gone. Like he, he has done everything perfectly to the point where he was like doing small creator owned work at boom, like eugenic and memetic. And then he was doing DC stuff kind of at the same time. And he built his name at DC slowly, you know, from detective comics and going up to Batman. And then by the time he started doing Batman, he was releasing, Something is Killing the Children and Department of Truth. And both of those were then big speculator boom books because they got option for movies. So then they became these hugely valuable comics that people were buying, you know, a lot of times on speculator value. But like Roman said, it was getting the name out there. And now he's just cranking shit out. He's like, he's got black label books. He's got DC books. He's got an image book. He's got a boom book. Um, and it's so smart because he just like in terms of like kind of like Hickman building a brand for your name, he just like built the awareness. And then as, as soon as he had the speculator pop off, he just started cranking this stuff out. And from a financial and brand wise perspective, I just am like hats off to you. You have done this so well in the prospect of like from the viewpoint of like feeding your family. Right. Like he's now he's getting you know, like nice house on the lake. If this had come out a year earlier it wouldn't have sold nearly as many copies. And if it came out a year from now, he might be in a totally different spot where he's not totally booming. So capitalizing on that, just from a business perspective, I, I, I'm super impressed with you, Jimmy TIV. And on a craft perspective, all of that was getting into it. This book is really, really, really good. Yeah, yeah, those are excellent points. I'm kind of, now I'm kind of wondering, I wonder if his... Uh how much i don't know i i'm just totally speculating in a different way um about how much his heart is like in the bat books and stuff or if that's just the like workman like stuff he does to keep his name on top and then his real heart and creative energies more so go into his independent stuff like nice house on the lake i choose to think that the latter you know i i do i i kind of like all those image guys like hickman and reminder and you know, the big school of them that were doing awesome things, Matt Fraction, uh, at the big image boom in the mid 2000s, you know, they were kind of doing that same thing. They were doing a tag team of image books and Marvel work. They're all like had a kind of big Marvel book at that time as well. It seemed like, you know, get the big Marvel paycheck, get your name out there. And while you're doing that, you're, you can afford to be writing these independent boom and image books where you don't get paid up front and it then you can put them out there but yeah it's this really smart branding of like I, and where where is the heart you know I, I hope that they are able to balance putting heart into both things like hickman and remember i love their creator own mm-hmm. stuff but i actually tend to like their marvel stuff more jimmy tiv yeah. other end of it you know I, his non-dc stuff is i think better yeah yeah I, yeah i'm the same way and boy it's it's nice that nowadays writers can do that because like back in you know back in the old days in comics you were you were locked in usually to a contract to one publisher and you couldn't do anything for anyone else right this is so much more creatively freeing nowadays right and you're like tom taylor writes marvel books and dc books bendis is moving around who knows but um i really really liked issue two of this series i i think the the conceit of this story like it's not fully switching from story perspective between character to character between each issue kind of like we had hypothesized in the first one like what if each issue but it's kind of close to that yeah yeah okay well i was just saying i think 
you know, it's not the first time it's been done, but kind of doing that thing where we have a big event happen and a small cast and then bounce between each cast member to watch how the story progresses, I think is a really, really interesting storytelling mechanism. And I, I really like reading things that are that, that form of story. I, I do too. And yeah, and the way he does it in here, because in this one, it's, I forget how many people are in the cast, like 12 people or something, but in order to make it manageable and in order to have these, these good conversations about this event, um, he's got people breaking into pairs almost. And we, we spend a couple pages with each pair going back and forth. And, and you know, when I was first reading it, when I read this this morning, I got to the first page where there's, um, there's some transcription pages. There sure are. That at first, when I first turned the page and saw a glance of that, I was like, oh no. Cause you know, you get that feeling like, like, oh, it's a big block of text. This is going to take me longer to read this. This book. isn't a Hickman X-Men book. But, but yeah, but yeah, they're really good because they read like, because they're transcripts, they read like, they're just dialogue. They read like scripts. I, I totally agree. My thought was, oh shit. And then I started reading it and it went way quicker at the one. And I thought if they had stuck to just the one page of doing it, I think that would have been perfect because, but the only problem I have with it is that, and maybe you didn't have this problem because you are a good readerman, but I, I was sort of reading it and not looking at who specifically was saying it. Like I wasn't reading consultant text, consultant tech. Like I was reading just kind of like the text and kind of feeling who was who in the conversation but I, I really lean on facial recognition when saying uh -huh. things. So I was like, I don't remember who the consultant is. I don't remember who the accountant is. And I don't think it's super important that you did to get through those things. But I, when I read the first one, I was like, that was actually better than I thought it was. And then like a couple page la pages later, there's a three page one. I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> I'll get back into this. But I, I, it worked once on me and it, it worked a second time as well. But by that finishing the second one, I was like, that's getting a, a little cute. Uh, like the, yeah. I guess the, the house schedule got a little cute. I, I had a Zach. Yeah. The house schedule. I, I, once I realized what it was, I was like, yeah, I don't need to read down. Yeah. And I, I had the same reaction, but luckily I, I, the first two, because there's some black and white camera stills at the top of each page. I was like, well, okay. So those are really just like one page. If, if yeah. Jam the text together. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I had the same problem. I don't know who the, the consultant is i don't know who the who the accountant is but yeah i just read the dialogue and gleaned it from that and kind of ignored the labels but so it, you know rather than spoil these books for everyone we're gonna kind of just talk about some stuff we really liked in them but this book is fantastic bunch of people are at a house the world has gone to shit around it and they're trapped here and it's all sort of orchestrated i love the scene well so at the there's a flashback at the beginning and and it's the two boys in their college dorm room and they've got issues of Frank Miller's uh, Batman and Robin or uh, all-star Batman. And Robin, uh, thank yeah. you. Thank you. And there's issues of final crisis back there. And there's like dark Knight returns posters on the wall. And I was like, this is so awesome. There's some manga like beneath Batman or one of them looks like a Brandon Graham thing. Hmm. And I just love anytime you can make me slow down and look at that. But then when we get to the library <laughs> and it's just like shelves of comic books, it was like, on the one hand, I was like, all right, like you, that's a little bit shallow. Like it's a great way of like, oh, it's a comic book and you've got all these hidden comic books. Like, oh, he hid all these comic books here for it. But also at the same time, so much fun to look at those and be like, oh, the battle majority. So that's, that's the battle Royale or they changed the titles on all these just a little bit like love and explosives or love and rockets or loose bullets for stray bullets. And um oh. i just like they're all so i just had so much fun it's even got like here that really cool book that we have at the store that's like just different period shots of a room from the same perspective over time and it's like looking at a building as it changes it's not adrian yeah. tomina but it's somebody similar but here is there it's got the invisibles um from hell yeah. mother night planetary uh, jla earth 2 morrison and quietly there's a couple morrison yeah. books and then alan moore there's overtly just Sandman there, planetary. Yeah. And maybe you just said that from it. But anyway, that. Yeah. And, and there's some that are, I mean, there's, there's like three, two or three uh, Vonnegut books. Yep. Um, and one of them that I, there was a couple of titles I actually wrote down because I was like, what is that? And, uh, oh, where's that one by Ligotti? Um, no, I can't figure out where it is. 
but it's, it's Thomas Ligotti's one of his classic books from the 90s. I was like, oh, I got to I got to read that. I'm curious. And I like the way he worked that in because yeah. it's I mean, yeah, it's it's kind of cute and like, uh, but I like the fact that he put these in the library because they're all books that the guy um, had suggested to his buddy here years ago and over the period of years that he reads someday. And now that he set this up, so they're going to be trapped in this house. There's all those books. <laughs> and that's the redemption is like, if it was just like, oh, I put all these books in this library. So check them on. They're like, wow, there's comics. But it was like, no, these are books that this guy recommended to me in high school that I never read. And he knows I never read them. So now I'm forced to read them. <laughs> it was like, a, I really liked, I really liked that. Yeah. yeah I was, I was going to start reading this a couple days ago and it's just creepy enough. And there's just enough unsettling menace to it that I kind of put it off knowing that I really was going to like it, but also like it, it's it's a very good book. It's very effective. I really like the first issue stressed me out in a really good way. So I mean, I I, I give this one a I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah I'll I'll give it a ten. Jimmy T right. have a ten baby. <laughs> Our first ten of the evening, sweet. <laughs> it's a, yeah. It's a co ten. Oh yeah, I loved it too. But when the way he set reveals more and more about the characters and their past relationship with their buddy who invited them all here to this house he set up for them so they can avoid this horrible uh, humanity-destroying event out in the world. Um, the way they're all revealed and their relationship to him is revealed in their dialogue and, and flashbacks. Um, and it's still a mystery and more mysteries kind of Two of the characters find this secret room behind the bookshelf that it's like oh my gosh what is this and of course the statues i love this uh the, I also, the final scene too like the piano playing and then these all these like shots of like bad things happening in the house like there was you could hear the music in your head yeah yeah and and yeah and just they're complex characters one one person is trans and another person like dated them back when they're you know they, they were their previously assigned selves and it's just all interesting characters the, there's the kind of bro guy i mean it's rich it's rich yeah yeah i'm really excited to, to be reading this series there's some gorgeous art scenes and sequences yeah on that last page boy and i love the fact that that guy i forgot everybody's name him and he's talking to the girl at the, at the end and he's like you know in order to hold things together here and survive we got to start approaching this it's just this is the way things are from now on and we got to keep it together at the same time that people are finding that statue that shows them what's happening at their home out in the world and their family or loved ones or whatever and it's and they're all breaking down yeah so exactly as he's talking about how we got to keep it together the rest of them are on the path to losing it <laughs> uh, it's so good. It's really good. Nice work, Jimmy TIV. Yeah. Um, moving right along, Muppets reference. Um, X-Men <laughs> number one, Jerry Duggan, Pepe Larraz, and Marta Gracia. You know, it's a bittersweet thing because it's not Hickman writing what seems like the most important X-Men title. And I want yeah. that to be Hickman. Although I think Inferno will be the most important thing when it starts and he's writing that. But on the other side, I liked the art a lot. I hadn't seen Pepe Larraz do a lot of the stuff since um, their time on House of X. It's been almost exactly two years since the first issue of House of X. Came out in late July. Jeez. Um, and, and, you know, between then and now, there's been some fun stuff, but we I feel like we haven't really capitalized on the promise of what House and Powers started. And this actually felt like a step in the right direction. Um, so Jerry Duggan, I think knocking it out of the part, the art's really pretty. This just sees the new team of X-Men. They've settled a tree house in New York. You get a great cutaway. I love a cutaway, like the old <laughs> Baxter building cutaway. Oh, yeah. like showing yeah. me all the floors of your fort. Um, alien shows up. X-Men team does a great fight against them. And, uh, then we kind of spend some time with the bad guys, the people who, uh, had orchestrated the, the bad thing. We, hang out with Cordyceps Jones, who Andrew Carlson was very, very excited about. It's a character from the Al Ewing Rocket Raccoon arc. Do you remember that character, Roman? Wow. No, I for now that you say the Rocket Raccoon arc now, I kind of do, but I yeah, I'd forgotten all about him. I think it was in issue four, maybe. Um, 
but yeah, I really like this sort of living fungal thing who's uh, sending bad shit to Earth so people can kind of gamble on things so they can clear out Earth because they like the planet but not the people. I really liked the the bad guy that they establish in this that's not Cordyceps Jones, but the the um, the kid. God, what's his name? Um, Fei Long, who the first page of this is this great introduction of this kid who was a genius who like built this amazing product and his kid stole the money from him and then he dedicated his entire life to wanting to try and habitat or create like a living habitat on Mars and then in one night uh, the gods mocked him. Jerry Duggan writes and the X Men settle on Mars and kind of make his entire life journey uh a null statement and i just the contempt within him i really loved that i i think this <laughs> set up exactly what i you know this is kind of what i wanted the first issue issue of the hickman x-men stuff to be and that whole kind of like 21 issue thing had really high points but never really had a logical direction it was just here's an issue with some stuff happening and here's another issue with some stuff happening anyway that was my thoughts what did you think yeah i wonder if this guy what, what's his name? Phalong? Yeah, Phalong. Yeah, what was a different name and he changed it after his parents stole his shit? <laughs> no, I just wonder if he's kind of a, in some ways, a, inspired by guys like Elon Musk and Ooh. what's his name? Richard Branson that just went up into space. Before no, Elon Musk. Those, those, yeah, both those, those, those guys. Yeah. There's two guys just went up into space, two mil, multi-millionaires, billionaires. Yeah, I like the fact that this guy changed his body too, physically to be able to survive on Mars. I... I, I really like the treehouse. Um, I thought that that's a really clever thing to do because it's right, I forget what, where, but right in the center of New York. I was surprised that it's, it's seemingly accepted so well by New Yorkers and the superheroes and everything, especially after they just, you know, surprise, colonized Mars. But I kind of love, I kind of love the dialogue that almost showed a little bit of bitter content because there's this great scene of Ben Urich talking to Cyclops and, Ben Urich has this wonderful storied career in the Marvel Universe. I really love the role he plays and I like the respect that Cyclops shows him. Um, but like the statement he says early on was neighbors barely had any time to lose sleep over their views of the park becoming obstructed by some towering eyesores because all of, of all darn things, New York City woke up to discover a treehouse had sprung up overnight. Like, I, I, yeah. Yeah, just bringing up the idea of eyesores or the idea of people needing to relate to it you know yeah. like they bring it up up at all which i like because there's got to be a contemptuous relationship you colonize mars now you just got one square block of, oh shit you're doing a really nice thing with that square block in new york with a lot of animals that now have homes well done yeah that's really clever I mean, and yeah little details like the audubon society contacted him and said you know it's this is the best habitat for birds new york's had in years <laughs> it's like wow what about central park but um, not not as good but <laughs> But yeah, I was I, I liked all that, even though I didn't like the uh, the text page that's supposed to be Ben Urich's article. Yeah, because just because there was some things in there where I thought, you know, Ben's a Pulitzer Prize winning writer. He wouldn't he wouldn't write like the sentence about uh, terraforming Mars, Araco. Going to take some getting used to, you know, that name. I was like, come on, Ben wouldn't write that way. Um, and I. I I don't know. I like the art. I thought it was cool. I'm, I'm curious about the new villain and I love the treehouse thing and all that, but I, I kind of flipped through the fight really quickly because I didn't really care. Yeah. Um, Although it was a cute little mechanical thing that then becomes a lighthouse for them. They build this yeah. giant robot to fight this alien, kind of demonstrating their in tandem ability to work together, but yeah and that was cool but at the same time i was like wow you guys just did this and got and hit it out of the park with this treehouse but now this thing comes and attacks so you're gonna have the usual like damn it x-men you're right here if you hadn't right. been here we wouldn't have got time now you just destroyed all this infrastructure and metal from this all around the neighborhood <laughs> i really liked yeah the concepts within the stories i like the bad guy I like the Cordyceps Jones character, this idea of sort of like a living yeah. fungus that, you know, parasite that kind of lives through things. I don't necessarily know how much I love kind of like people gambling or betting on the extinct. Like that, that's interesting, but um, I'm more interested in the initial guy, the Fei Long. But yeah. uh, those blocks I like a lot. Uh, even just like finally kind of having Cyclops just interacting with the people and exploring this relationship between humanity and mutantdom now. But um, I don't I don't know that I care about the team very much. I think they're going to have to do some character work to make me care about it. 
Um, and these last yeah. like four or five pages, I don't know who it is that is experimenting on this person with like things in their back or what's going on. I don't know if that's Fei Long or somebody else that seemed to have a mask, but it's interesting. We sort of get yeah. introduced to like three baddies, it almost seems like, unless this is one of those first two and I just don't realize it. Yeah, we kind of do. Yeah, I couldn't tell if at the end if that's Fei Long who's altered himself further or, or that's somebody right. different. And that was yeah. sort of what I was wondering if it's, if it's Fei Long or not. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm kind mm-hmm. of the same way. I don't, I mean, I like Cyclops and Jean and Lorna's got cool powers because, you know, she's daughter of Magneto or once was considered the daughter of Magneto. But yeah, the rest of the team, Cyclops and, Mar- and Jean Grey and Laura Wolverine, I like them and I don't really care about the rest of the team. Yeah, and I like Rogue, although I have a hard time reading her accent on comics. You know, like oh. A-H instead of I. I'm always like, oh, okay. Also like Wolfsbane. It's like, okay, I have to get in a headspace. But oh, yeah. Um, I'm going to give this one a pretty good score. I'm going to go... Cool. I'm torn 8.5 and 9. So I'm just going to give it the benefit of the doubt here and give it a 9. I think it was a pretty good... I think if X-Men number one from Hickman had been... I probably gave it a higher score because it was Hickman and I love that guy. But I, I, I think this is almost more of the kind of thing I was hoping for when Hickman started. The oh. ongoing. Yeah. Wow, cool. Um, well, good. I'm glad. I'm glad you. I'm glad you liked it so much. I, I liked it. I gave, but I only gave it a seven. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, on the topic of uh, Andrew Carlson, who we mentioned there, we've got an email from Lots. the old, the old Bean. Um, both a quick note about my favorite comic this week, an answer to last week's question, and a question of my own. Enjoy. Hey guys, Andrew here. Um, first note before I answer your question from last week. Holy shit, the Catwoman annual this week, I picked it up just kind of on a whim because it had Kyle Hans art and Juan Ferreira art, both of whom I love. And I, was, I just read some Ron B for the first time a little bit ago with the Lee Savage Shores with the book club. So I figured I'd give it a shot and god damn, it was good. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's for everyone, but it's kind of an Azrael focused story kind of. I don't know much about DC continuity in general, but it seemed like it was doing some new stuff with the Order of St. Dumas. Um, maybe it had been done before, but I really liked it. Yeah, it took me really by surprise. And yeah, it's my 10 for the week. Definitely, yeah, big surprise for me. I really like that issue. Uh, cool. To answer your question, cool. I, I've had a few pieces of bad advice. Um, I think the, the worst would be the obvious, stay cool because there's no actual helpful advice in there, but I'm going <laughs> to... It got cut off there. Oh. Although I was looking at that going as it was going, and I was like, that was a perfectly timed email. Like a minute and two seconds, <laughs> or not email, but voice recording, perfect. Would have been perfect even with the finish as well. Um, gosh, the Catwoman stuff. I know Django had read some of the early Rom V stuff. I read it before he started writing the official ongoing and did like it a lot. He's a great writer. Um, and then one I love him. Oh yeah, he's great. Uh, gosh, some bad advice. That was a, so. Both of those emails came in a week ago for what would have been two twenty three, which was a week ago. Now we're doing two twenty three a week later. So the last week book to him, Catwoman Annual. I live in a weird black hole of time and space for comic distribution, and I'm just rapidly trying to claw myself out of the hole of being caught up on books. Um, but. On the topic of Andrew Carlson, I think he had a request to hear about and- Immortal Hulk 48, Mr. Roman Statler. He Fox did have a request um, <laughs> he, uh, for this book and, and him, him and I often, actually, I think, I think we text each other every time this book comes out after one of us reads it um, and talk about it for a bit. Because it's just, it's just an amazing run. It's one of the best runs of the Hulk ever. Um, and it's about to end. Al Ewing leaves, and well, I assume the whole creative team leaves in uh, two issues. And this issue, like every issue, but this one in particular, this was my other 10 for the week. Because this issue, it's some amazing stuff. The second page, you see something you never thought you'd see in a Marvel comic. The, the second page, whole page, it's the Hulk buttoning up his pants post-coitus with uh with with red harpy whatever her name is betty betty banner <laughs> except it's not bruce that just had sex with her it's joe fix it but he's in the body of fucking joe fix it yeah and it's just such an amazing issue because 
there's no fights in there. So it's just most of the issue is Betty and Joe talking about their feelings and the the mental and emotional scarring of Hulks and of Bruce Banner because they're all, I mean, all all you know, Joe and and Devil Hulk, they're all facets of Bruce Banner. And the conversations it, between him and Betty are so great because, you know, she calls him out going, you know, because he's trying to, Joe is trying to say how, you know, I want to change and be a better person and all this. And at one point she says, she says, you know, you're Bruce's selfishness. I mean, you say that because you want to sound like a good guy and everything, but you've always been so selfish. Though at the same time, you know, she sleeps with him because Joe always saw her and she felt like Bruce over the years after they got married, distanced himself and didn't see her when she came back and she was killed and came back to life as the red She-Hulk. And then I the love that idea party. of him kind of being almost like the id of the trio. Yeah. Yeah. And when Be- and Betty's, I don't know, she's happy now, but she's she's powerful and she feels really more herself than she ever has. And Bruce, she says, never liked that. He doesn't like being confronted with her, her real self and apparently joe never had a problem with that and joe always had a thing for her so it's just about the conversation between them about all of this and she calls him out on his bullshit and and there's other great conversations with she hulk and the reporter whose name i've forgotten at the moment um also talking just about hulk stuff and that's all the issue is you know and <laughs> and it's amazing joe at one point tells betty that we get the origin of the Joe fix it personality. Cause in one panel, he says, yeah, one time after my dad, you know, beat the crap out of me, I, you know, I turned on the TV and through my black eyes, I ended up watching this black and white movie from the forties or fifties. He doesn't say, but that's where I got um, the idea of what a grown up is somebody who could take the pain. Hmm. And so that's what I started out as a kid's idea of a man. I talk tough, I crack wise, and if you piss me off, maybe I'll beat you half to death. But, you know, because that's what a grown-up is. That's what Joe Fixit, I mean, he's a kid's idea of what a man is. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and I think that's the important of the important lesson in trying to elevate the role fiction plays in our society now because it is, unfortunately, the thing, well, fortunately and unfortunately, it's the thing that uh, ends up creating the role model for what people consider to be cool or adults or you know a man or a woman right like yeah yeah um yeah i yeah. feel like that turns responsibility on the artist to start we got to elevate our conversation because kids hear it yeah yeah and, and the, yeah just a great fantastic issue and you know it sets up again because al ewing's leaving in two issues this issue sets up betty to go join i think next she's going to be in the defenders or some new comic Hmm. um so it kind of sets that up and it's just just an amazing issue i mean did you gooey it i I, I can't yeah oh yeah i can't phrase this comic high enough i mean it's someday when it's all wrapped up i'm going to reread the whole series Hmm. you mean (laughs) that's interesting you say that i i read the first 25 issues i loved it um and when you work at a shop and you're there all the time and you feel like it's your duty to read as many number ones and series that are coming out so you can provide information to people, you start letting your favorite books build up in the back and you're like, I'm going to get to those one day. And uh, that's what that book is for me. I'm going to buy those hardcovers. I'm going to have that omnibus. And when I oh, yeah. am desolate and alone and my <laughs> girlfriend partner has left me and I don't work at the shop anymore, I'll have this giant col- collection of books to read. And that's sort of the goal. Um, so that's where Immortal Hulk lives for me. I'll finally finish the second half of that. I just want to talk quickly about Skybound X. I know I'm the only one that read mm. this one. This is a new weekly series coming out. I don't know how long it's going to be. And I just want to throw this in here because as I was reading it, the feeling I had was that this is, if I was a subscriber to shop that I didn't work at and I could only have like five books a month or something, this would be one of them because it is so fun. Wow. It's so diverse. And it changes from issue to issue. The, the main story, so the first kind of chunk of these that's coming out weekly is a Walking Dead story called Rick Grimes 2000. And the backstory of it is that um, for anyone who doesn't know, 
Robert Kirkman uh, wanted to write the Walking Dead image and they were like, we don't want to write a zombie book. No one wants to read zombie books. So what he told them was, all right, but secretly, like 25 issues in, it becomes about aliens. And that's how he got in. They were like, oh, well, aliens sell. So that's what allowed him to write the Walking Dead. And they kept being like, well, when are the aliens going to come in? But by that time, it become a huge success. This is what if 25 issues, then the alien invasion happened. So, and it's drawn by Ryan Otley, who did all of Invincible or most of Invincible. So what this essentially is, is Walking Dead meets Invincible in an <laughs> alternate Walking Dead timeline. And it is so, it's like, I guess Walking Dead was brutal in a real life sense. Invincible was brutal in a totally different way that was wonderful, but like emotionally brutal in an almost kind of perverse and fun way. I don't know if that makes sense, but you got the governor coming back. You got a full shot of Michonne's face getting torn apart at some point. You've got like, um, I forget Rick's original wife's name, but she's like chained up by the governor in this like witchblade skybound costume. And it's, you know, only get 12 pages of it at a time, but there's four stories in this and they all have, you know, varying things. Anyway, that one is so fun and just bonkers. It's, it's the best parts of the walking dead with the best parts of invincible. The final story in it is all written and drawn by Tilly Walden, who did Spinning, On a Sunbeam, um, several other like really highly acclaimed uh, kind of like alt books. She writes and draws them. So they're kind of like in that indie cartoonist vibe rather than like a mainstream comic. But it's all about the character Clementine from the Walking Dead video games, the Telltale games that were fantastic and introduced this character that people loved in the form of Clementine. And so this is her first appearance in the first 12 pages of story that she'll have. And then it's advertised that Tilly Walden will be putting a young adult graphic novel about Clementine out. Um, oh, she did. Are you wow. listening as well? So that was awesome. This one had a short that tied into manifest destiny. I didn't read that one, but it had a short that then tied into ultra mega that had like really strong anime, Evangelion overtones, like the moment when Eva unit one goes berserk. Um, just so cool. The next issue will continue the Rick Grimes 2000 story, but then all the other little stories are totally different. So what this is, is Robert Kirkman once again celebrating comics by bringing creators and people on board to produce things and distribute them in an unorthodox way. And I really admire, admire him for doing that. Um, I think some of these issues will become randomly really valuable because they'll be like the first appearances but almost in the way that like bad ideas doing their thing, he's just like, there's going to be like random 10 page stories in these that won't tie into anything that are just going to be awesome by cool creators. So I just, I want to throw that out there as a thing that I think if I were a comic shopper at any store, anywhere, um, this is the kind of thing I would really like. It's, it's like, it's four 99 and it's huge. It's like, you know, got a spine. It's, it's a prestige format book. Cause it's got a ton of pages, a ton of stories in it really really cool and I, robert kirkman is willing to just lose money on things because the walking dead made so much money so he's like writing firepower we have eight firepower subscribers i order extras for the shelf just because i love that book so much i don't want it to end um but he just kind of does what he wants and, and this is a great example of that so i give skybound x I, you know i think it's a nine for what it was like the stories inside it but i think in terms of what it is on a shelf at a comic shop it's a 10 for me because it is this opportunity to have someone who I really respect um, and has clout get other people the, the ability to tell eight to 12 page stories at a time. So really, really cool. I think everyone should check out Skybound X. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to read that one. I hadn't realized it's, I thought it was a one shot. I didn't realize it was a continuing series. It's weekly and it's got one oh. little main series story continuing each one. And then the other three backups are changing. So it's, you know, there's an ultra mega one in this. Uh, they're just tie into all sorts of different image books. Um, you know, different creators are telling different stories. I, I should have pulled up the list of the next couple issues and just who's on it, but I didn't. So I won't. People can easily look it up. Yeah. Skybound X two, three, four. Really cool. I'm sure we'll be talking about the next ones on here as well. Roman, you are up next in the old Dockeroonie. What do I have? Was it uh, Blacksmith? It was one? from yes. Vault? Um, no. From Black all, Mass? From, no. Ahoy. 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 <laughs> Simpsons. Um, yeah, this is their newest number one. Um, let me find the credits page here. 
by Eric uh, Palaki, writer, and Wendell Cavalcanti is the artist. Uh, black and white comic, and it's, this is pretty good. I dug this. Black and white comic, and, and it's Black's, two words, Black's myth, which I realized as we started this sounds like Blacksmith, but no, it's Blacksmith. Um, and it's about this detective who we get hints. Oh no, we get more than hints. She's a werewolf and her buddy, kind of unofficial partner and maybe a roommate, I'm not sure yet. He's a, uh, I think it's pronounced. Okay, Jeff, is, this, is it pronounced Dijin or is it Jin? Oh wow! I've always said gin. Um, okay, but yeah, I don't know. I'm I I started calling it gin when I was in sixth grade playing the game Golden Sun, and I had to make ah. that decision and commit. Um, okay. And, well, that that's ah, what I, I want to play Golden Sun. <laughs> I've never played Golden Sun. I'll play Golden Sun with you. Um, but that that's how I've always pronounced it too. It's like Django, just a silent D, I assume. So that's her partner, and it's you know the issue starts out, and she's in the bathtub, and she's been shot. <laughs> and and we just go into the story from there find out why she was shot or her buddy tries to help her out um they've got some cool mystical devices including this awesome dog companion that actually kind of is kept inside this pendant so it's a great sneak attack type thing it was a good, just a good suspenseful story i mean there's a lot of good character building here world building i'm really curious where this mystery is going to lead her to they're trying to solve this case and and you know i love a good werewolf story and they don't do overdo the werewolf stuff in here at all there's only a couple panels with her as a werewolf and they're really cool <laughs> um and you know ahoy just does interesting books i like i a totally lot of agree books. it's yeah. and you know Ed Ground Post, Snifter of Terror, Snifter of Blood. They've yeah. done a cup like Second Coming from Mark Russell, um, Billionaire Island with Mark Russell, and they've got a new one that was just on FOC today. Not not everyone's robot or not everyone some, something about like that. But yeah, there's a oh right, the new Mark Russell one. Yeah, so he's Mark Russell's kind of deep within their camp as well. I really like that. They seem yeah. like a really cool publisher. Yeah, yeah, they they take a lot of innovation, a lot of. A lot of just cool, not maybe not risky, but just surprising stuff. Like this cover, I never would have guessed that this is a werewolf and genie story. <laughs> I mean, the, the cover, I almost didn't pick it up because the cover I was like, ah, yeah, it's some, um, she's got a bottle of booze in her hand. I don't know what this is, but actually I, I picked it up because it's a hoy. And it's got some great prose stories in the back as usual. With their yeah, books. they always have like backups as well, right? Yeah, yeah, there's always a couple like one maybe two pager prose stories in fact there's one in here called contactless that's just a short it's three paragraphs uh, uh one page and it's just a great little story <laughs> yeah impressive book i gave it a what did i give it roman's been recording his scores and we're going to try and create an online database for these at some point we'll get it on the <laughs> website a week by week thing you can just get in and check what roman gave any book a score i love it Oh, I better start writing down the uh, issue numbers then. Yeah, you um, should. I gave this a uh, 9.5. Damn. Hell yeah. yeah. It was just I, one of the books I really dug this week. It, well, my nine point... Sorry, please finish. Oh, no, I didn't just, mean to... It gave me... It surprised me. Um, a 9.5 for me this week was Boombox, uh, Saz Millage, Mamo. I think I'm pronouncing that right, but everyone thinks they're pronouncing anything right. So maybe it's Mamo. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Mamo. I didn't... I didn't know what this was. I had never heard of the creator, but I flipped through it really briefly and I thought the art looked gorgeous. I don't know how to describe it other than soft. It's like, it's soft and pretty and elegant and natural and flowery. And I just, I love it. The, the people are great. It's soft and kind. There's a kindness to it. Um, but this book starts off kind of you drop right in the middle of it. You're following this girl who's biking out of town and she's looking for a witch. And she goes and finds this like very chill young girl, witch, seemingly girl, witch. Um, and uh, she's like, yeah, I'm the witch. And then she's like, OK, cool. Well, you got to come help me do this. My grandma's sick. You got to help me do this. And she's like, I'm not. I don't know. I've got office hours. I'm not going to do that. 
and witch is such a loose term in this because no one looks like a typical witch they're just like this looks like your standard like 20 year old girl who just bought their fjall raven kinkin small backpack and like adventured shorts you know it's, it's a very scenester like you know just teens um both yeah kind of androgynous just like really sweet seems like they're building a friendship that might become a relationship or maybe just a friendship would be even cooler because not enough good just buddy stories but anyway the witch finally agrees to like come with her to help and as they're moving around she's kind of like where's like are you the witch and she's like actually the witch is my grandma and she's dead kind of becomes maybe like oh is the is the thing that's making this girl's grandmother sick that there's a the like a spirit living above them in their attic and is that uh the witch that is the you know, her friend's grandmother um that's making her sick the some stuff hijinks i don't want to get into the spoilers of it because i think this is really good and i don't want to it's not crazy high concept but the way that the story unfolds and particularly the relationship between the two girls is just really charming and heartwarming and natural and just feels like the way that two people who are both shy and vulnerable but also have barriers built up the way that they would interact with one another and kind of put force into a situation with one another and the way that fondness grows like I just, I really liked this one. I'd give it a, a 9.5. It's got a kind of alty art style to it. Um, I don't know how long it's going to be. It's Boom Box. So it's Boom's kind of younger geared imprint, but it was just really good. I kind of thought I was going to start it and bail out because a lot of the kind of Boom all age books uh, kind of bounce off me. But between the art and just the kind of subtleness of the characters, uh, it just, it pulled me through it the whole way. Also, the font is big. I love like font when it looks hand, like lettering that's handwritten. It looks like oh, yeah. that. Like it's just, it feels really great to read. And it's mostly like, there's a lot of visual storytelling rather than huge dense text bubbles. And, you know, I'm on record as loving that. I love just kind of silently living in a space with characters and art and intention. So I really like that. I'm going to give it a 9.5, which is higher than I would expect. So okay. um, really, really, really good stuff roman do we have cool. anything else before we get out of here on this weird shortened midday podcast we're putting out well um can i do a brief mention of a mm-hmm. book i loved from the week we skipped oh yeah fourth of july book all right it was a fourth of july book the united states of captain america number one by chris cantwell and uh oh, where's the freaking their last names are on the cover and i don't have the credits page in front of me well, Trujillo, Trujillo. But this this was another 10 for that week for me. Um, the art uh, by Trujillo and Trujillo and Eaglesham is great. There's all sorts of homages to um, Storenko here and just action poses and just, you know, there's a scene of Cap looking out the window and the way the trees are, it's totally Storenko. But the best thing about this is it starts off Steve Rogers is in an apartment. He's polishing his shield and he's just thinking about the like the two dreams of America and the big lie. And this, I love Captain America when he's written this way because he's just talking about the big, how what leads to the big lie is the one, the dream that never really existed, that is never reality. And that's the white picket fence. Um, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, blah, 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 that leads to people being marginalized and othered and and jingoism and nationalism. And I just love when Cap, a Cap comic addresses that, especially, you know, nowadays in this country. Um, And it's done so well. Christopher Cantwell, we've talked about him before. He's just a fantastic writer. Um, I'm so glad he's doing this book. love the art i love the statements about america and about about the ideal of america and the big lie i love the fact that steve rogers is talking about the big lie here what's the big lie well for those who don't know as steve defines it it's the big lie is um that that white picket fence fantasy about Mm. what in fact that cap at one point says and is thinking to himself that the germans have this this he's and he says neat this neat word for uh 
something American that means idealism. That, well, that this neat word that means a yearning for or a nostalgia for something that never actually existed. Mm. And then and then he says, in America, we have a word for that too. It's called Americana. <laughs> and it's just some great points. And then and then somebody attacks him and steals his shield and he gets a hold of Falcon and they go off on this adventure to stop this guy. And we meet this. Wouldn't it be cool if sometimes we didn't need to have that part of the story? Like we could just have Cap, you know, talking yeah, about. I, I mean, it would be it would be cool, like that issue of Immortal Hulk. Yeah. But I think this is a limited series, so they gotta yeah. throw in the adventure too, because it, it is really well done, Cap and the Falcon and the way they interact. Because again, Cantwell is great, and and they meet this kid on the road who's kind of the Captain America of of the uh, of the rails. He's a homeless kid that right inspired by cap tries to help other homeless people out riding the rails and that kind of thing kid has no powers you know nothing and you know it's just great his interaction with cap and falcon and the way cap comes to respect this kid and and of course you know they got to have this thing to solve and then at the end just the banter between cap and sam and and because sam just kind of pokes fun at him throughout the thing um <laughs> like uh, like you and i yeah yeah at one point he caps tried to tell him oh yeah this guy broke he, he he's in a captain america he looks like me and sam's like what so you mean he's in like a, he looks like a j crew ad from the 90s and caps like damn it be serious <laughs> he's wearing my costume <laughs> so yeah it was just a great issue and the, this new character is interesting and and speaks to a lot of moments going on right now in america and that's what a good Captain America comic should be. I'm glad there was a really good Captain America comic on the week of 4th of July. I think that yeah. is important. I think it's easy to get lost in the bullshit of the 4th of July. And actually, I, I just think that when Captain America is talking about America, it's more often than not really good. It's like super Superman or Captain America. Like, it's not just patriotism. It's why patriotism for any country can be a good thing and it's like belief in a higher set of ideals so i i just love captain america yeah yeah and this was real i think i mean maybe it would it would definitely piss off like a a trumpster but <laughs> but for the rest good. of us it's just just a great book well do you think we should just call and see what happens if we call Django? do you think we should just call, like we're done with our <laughs> mess here should we just call and see what happens oh uh, yeah yeah we should you know we need a question and I don't have, I can't come up with a question. I don't even know if we're going to tie it that well into the end of the thing or a question <laughs> or anything. I just, you know. Yeah. He might he not said, answer. Uh, Django always if, answers. Yeah, he said if we needed him, he might be around. Oh, how do you do this? Wait. Django, I don't, Django, I don't remember how to make the phone go into the mic and go into the, the, do you hear me? Why would you need to make the phone go into the mic? I hear the him. Phone? Aren't you just call? Isn't this just a social telephone call? Django, I'm on the <laughs> podcast. I'm on the I'm on oh. the podcast. Yeah, put on your pants, Django. Who's on the podcast? You're you're usually on the podcast. Oh, okay, okay, uh, okay. I'm I'm all caught up. Where do sounds come out of a phone? Holy shit! I've got the ear of my phone held up to the opening of my mic, and I'm yelling into the base of the phone. <laughs> it's probably that. Okay, I think that's I, probably I that. one way to. You could also probably put it on speakerphone and hold the butt of the phone to it. Whoa. Okay, everybody. <laughs> let's, if you will. Let, let's just let's just put a demonstration of my relationship with Django on the podcast here. I'm going to do that, and I bet it's going to make everything better. Just a second. Audio speaker. Okay, Django, say something. Hey, I'm I'm here. It'll it'll make Whoa. it better or worse. I don't know. It made it better. better. It made it better. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're filled with good ideas, and I love it. Hey, listen, Roman and I have been talking all about this sort of week's podcasts and uh, or books on this podcast, and we thought oh, it would yeah. be good to call you. So, what what are you up to? Do you have any hot takes on Mamo or Nice House? The book, the big books of the week. Dude. Yeah, you want to know? I read I read a lot of books this week. Get it? Um, okay, Django's Power Hour. Oh. Yeah, Red Room number two. I thought that was awesome and gross. Crossover number seven. Great meta Chip Zdarsky stuff. Okay. I started The Mystery of the Meanest Teacher, a Johnny Constantine graphic novel. Mm. Um, mm. A little on the kids' side. Kane and Abel was awesome by okay. Shaky Kane and Trent Abel. Really I... like those guys. Barbaric. Oh, wow. I remember when that uh, came out. Paul, way, way better than I expected it to be. Beta mm. Ray Bill. Better Ray Bill. I'm not really sure. Better Ray Bull. Um, but we would have cracked that code a couple I, weeks I ago. I that. love, I love uh, her movies. That Texas Blood. 
that number okay. seven. That it's, it's back. I love it. The United States of fucking Captain America number one. We did Dude, talk the about art was not that. great, but I thought that the uh, okay. I thought that the you know the story was really good. Made in Korea number two. Okay. That's one of my favorite ongoing books right now. Berserker number three you, was as good as you would expect it. To did be. you like? Just great comics. What was your score for <laughs> Skybound X number one or X Men number one or the nice? Don't those come out next week? Those come out next week. Those come out next week, everybody, on episode 232. <laughs> and this was the ghost podcast that exists between 231 and 232, the lost week of the 4th of July. Yeah, 232. 232 exactly you i gotta go to the dentist Django, you nailed it <laughs> nailed it on the head roman did talk about the united states of captain america um which was last week's book and and gave it a, get a big old gooey duck did you what was your 10 from this quote-unquote week of comics man from the ones that i just told you about yeah this gosh, yeah this week's comics probably this week's <laughs> comics probably Cain and abel mm-hmm. uh mm. with honorable mention to Captain America, Made in Korea, and uh, the Red Room. The Red Room wasn't nearly as gross as it was the first issue. I mean, it was still like lots of blood and guts, but it it didn't it didn't kind of get its fingers up inside your stomach and, and pull them around. <laughs> it didn't you know show I mean? the camera cutting the wound open and then put the fingers inside the wound, <laughs> or maybe it did. Who knows? No. I mean, kind of, but it, but it was like it, yeah, it, it was. Oops. It was just not quite as visceral. Well, I hope that I hope that because you think this is this week's comics, that means that you're just really knocking out the code on the new comic shop infrastructure and you're really far ahead there and behind here. Sorry, what did you say? I was busy (laughs) knocking out the code on the new comic. You are knocking out that code. Um, (laughs) Django, you'd love Skybound X. We'll talk to you next week when I think all of us will actually be here. Uh, Does your 233? My tooth hurts like a four or five. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll be there. Okay. Sounds good. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Do you think he knew? I don't think he knew. I don't know. Nah, nah, he didn't know. Well, hey, I, I know now I've got four, four, four comics to add to my list for this week to read. Hell yeah. Yeah. Roman, before is, we get out of here, that is if Firepower came out this week. It did. It was awesome. Or last week. Yeah, we didn't have any copies left. I got. I've got one it. right here for you. Oh my gosh, I need to read that. I've got one right here. I'll bring it in tomorrow, and you can take it home with you. Okay. God, that book is so good. That's the it first is. first book I read every single week that it comes out. I love Firepower. I think it's one of the best fucking books. And similar Wait. to Fireplower, Fireplower, Fireflower, Fire killed it. Fireplower, <laughs> um, a book that is phenomenal. That is not a Hickman book. It's not a Morris. It's not shooting for the stars, trying to redefine what I think makes a good comic. Geiger number four came out this week. I caught up on three and four. Jeff Johns, Gary Frank, Brad Anderson. Um, Just, I think that you can't find a better comic at being a comic. I just think the character work is amazing. And I think it speaks to Jeff Johns's skill. He's so good at writing Marvel and DC comics. He doesn't write a ton of not Marvel DC comics. And this sort of shows you why he's great outside of his love for the history of comics, like in superheroes, just the issue where he finds out that the, the, I don't want to spoil stuff. Issue three was great. <laughs> issue four was really good. And when we see the bad prince, his mom, the beast, oh, the queen, yeah. It was disgusting and amazing. <laughs> anyway, his his ability to do character work, absolutely incredible. Geiger, we, it just comes out. It's amazing. There are things that don't get celebrated because they're not Marvel and DC books that are just phenomenal. And I think Geiger is one of them. And I, I think it's a great look at just how monthly comic books can be an amazing, wonderful thing. So Geiger, big, yeah. big ups. I, I'm glad you're caught up with that because, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. It's such a, just a fun book. And yeah, at a glance, you're like, oh, well, it's this sci-fi dystopian future and this guy, there's it's basically kind of, this issue is kind of a, a lot of Mad Max ripoff yeah. stuff, but it's done so well and it's it just clips right along and you're totally you're totally there with it every single panel and just just having fun. And it has the problem almost like firepower, which if you if you're to look at it, flip through it, you'd be like, Dan, this looks just like a kung fu book. Yeah. Or like this just looks like a dystopian book. But no, the character work embedded in it is amazing and it um it's easy to get in and out of. And that is what's really great about 
monthly comics in my mind at this point in my life. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad that Johns is no longer in his whatever is admin management position and because he can write more comics now and, and he's not doing so much great tv which i think is the big yeah. thing as well he's just like let me write some fucking comics and i want to read those comics so um well thank you will and andrew for writing in this week sending yeah. voice messages that was amazing um thanks for letting this be a kind of a more direct roman and jeff speaking to the public 232 a little shorter than normal um we'll get everybody back i think hopefully this week we'll have have it um back to some state of normalcy but thanks for bearing with us letting us make a drop week when we need to it's been really busy trying to reopen a store <laughs> after a year and a half of a pandemic so uh bear with us and it, like marvel's not being distributed by diamond anymore at the beginning of the yeah. pandemic lunar stock like started distributing dc because they're not diamond anymore this is just started this last week we're just like <laughs> they're throwing curveballs left and right everyone roman thanks for hanging out with me this week I'll see you tomorrow for Tuesday yeah, when we take all those books in. Yeah, tomorrow morning, our usual Tuesday shenanigans. Date boys. <laughs> uh, thank you all. This is 232. We'll see you next week. Papcast out. Mm-hmm.